Slate Spoiler Specials are brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and this is a Slate Spoiler Special podcast on Casa de Mi Padre, the new Will Ferrell comedy entirely in Spanish. Uh, here with me in the Slate Studios is Brian Curtis. Hey, Brian. Buenos dias, Dana. <laughs> ¿Qué tal? <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. I'm very, very happy to have you back. You're actually, I believe you were my very first spoiler special companion when we first started this podcast oh my gosh. Like three or four years ago. It's a kind of reunion. It's yeah. a spoiler reunion. That's it is great. really, really awesome to be doing another one with you because we've done you. so many, but we, I don't think we've done one in, I don't know, a, a year. Years. It was like the animated Beowulf was last one. <laughs> That's like right. That. We Remember? did that one together. So oh great. Oh, my gosh. So we didn't see this movie together. I know that you liked it, I believe, a little better than me, but I'm very curious. First, let's let's quickly summarize what happens in the movie, and then let's let's get to riffing on it. So, so Casa de mi Padre is set on a ranch in Mexico, right? In an unspecified time that seems to be maybe like the 70s, based on the style of cars, right? right? It could be any time from the 70s to present, though, right? Like if we, I mean, it, it seemed to evoke like they it wasn't it wasn't sort of like an old fashioned it was old fashioned, right? But it wasn't terribly old fashioned. So we, it's let's say it's a place out of time. Yeah, it's sort of dated as it needs to be dated, right? Whatever joke era it needs to be ransacked, the movie goes to that era. And somewhere near the border, I think, is important, right? Because we do see some interactions with like a border patrol, American border patrol agent, right? So somewhere south of the border, as they used to say. And since the drug trade is involved, et cetera. So Will Ferrell plays Armando. Alvarez, that's his last name, right? right. I should know this because he's constantly saying his name. Yo soy Armando Alvarez. That's right. And he is the black sheep and the sort of dumb older brother in this rancher's family. His younger brother is played by Diego Luna, the Mexican actor who everyone will recognize from uh, Itu Mama Tambien. That's right. And he's the more with it brother, as their father is always insisting. He's the smart one. He's the successful one. And unbeknownst to his dense older brother, he is actually successful in the drug trade. This is obvious to us from the moment we first see him, right? Sure. Because he's wearing like four cocktail rings and, you know, has a, has a <laughs> hot babe on his arm. But the older brother doesn't realize that he's involved in the drug trade. Um, the other major player in the scene is La Onza, which means the panther or something in Spanish, right? I think that's the, right. The wildcat, played by Gael Garcia Bernal, who right. was the other principal in Itumama Tambien. And he's sort of the local dandy and uh, and the big drug lord. He's like the kingpin. And Raul is kind of like the would-be kingpin, right? Who's trying to kind of nudge into his territory right. a little bit. So early on in the film, we witness a, a, a cold-blooded assassination that La Onza, Gael Garcia Bernal, <laughs> pulls off. We realize that he and, and uh, Raul are fighting for this territory, right? And also Raul shows up. With a lovely young lady on his arm, Sonia, played by the actress Genesis or Genesis Rodriguez. Right. And, uh, and at first sight, as his older brother lays eyes on Genesis, he falls in love with her. Absolutely. And that's sort of the setup, right? And then we go into this strange kind of middle section of the movie. And what happens thenceforth? Well, I, I sort of remember images, but musical numbers, a talking panther, right? Was it a panther? who speaks to Will Ferrell in kind of a semi-mystical way and seems to kind of guide him through the universe. Right, takes him on kind of a mystical journey and gives him advice. Several flashbacks, and Will Ferrell remembers the murder of his mother. And then kind of uh, some interactions, I think, with the Border Patrol uh, or the DEA agent. And then kind of building towards this big, bloody climax. Right. So essentially, yeah, it becomes kind of a mob melodrama by the end where the the two drug kingpins are fighting against each other. The two brothers are in love with the same woman. Right. And the Border Patrol agent, played by Nick 
Offerman. Right, right. Who's a guy who's a regular on Parks and Recreation. Parks Is that and right? Rec. I don't That's watch right. Parks and Rec. But he plays the uh, the very heavily American-accented um, Border <laughs> Patrol agent who's who's – who thinks that Will Ferrell is actually one of the drug kingpins too, and that every Mexican essentially is involved in the drug trade, and he's trying to to round up all the wetbacks, as he puts it, and 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 do away with them. So where else are we going to go with this? So I mean, and then we get to this big bloody confrontation at the end, and if this is actually based on like telenovelas and Mexican filmmaking, that sort of scene seems to owe more to Scarface, don't you think? Right, with the drug lord sort of holed up in his mansion. Yeah, that's what I mean about the movie away. ransacking whatever it needs to ransack, because at times this movie is is uh, spoofing the telenovela. Novella, right. right. In fact, in general, I would say that it's probably spoofing. It's either spoofing sort of a Sergio Leone style sure. spaghetti western, but very, very B movie, C movie, <laughs> Z movie version of that, right. or a Mexican telenovela. But then, as necessary, it will suddenly shift into, as you say, kind of a Scarface or, or Godfather parody. Right. It's really essentially a kind of extended skit. But I want to get at some of the weirdnesses of this movie, sure. and also our differences over it, because I think you enjoyed it more than I did. I really, really, though, I respected its weirdness. I really did. I mean, here some of the weird things about this movie. It's entirely in Spanish, subtitled, right? That's right. So if you're a Will Ferrell fan and you liked Talladega Nights and the Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, you know, big, broad comedies, and you come in to see this completely subtitled movie whose jokes are mainly kind of metacinematic in nature, I have a feeling you're going to be really turned off and confused. And that that gave me a kind of wicked thrill. (laughs) (laughs) But it also makes me worry for this movie's uh, box office future. Yeah, I actually think his accent was more convincing in this than it was in Talladega Nights, though, perhaps. Because, you know, it's like this is more convincing than his southern accent. Yeah, I had had figured that the joke in this was going to be that he had a really, really broad, the kind of accent accent that Nick Offerman does, that he'd be sort of like, buenos dias, yo soy Armando Alvarez. (laughs) But he actually seems to either he speaks Spanish or he learned it for this movie. Because he's pretty fluent. He learned it. I think he's... He sort of sat, he sat with a vocal coach for like 20 days or something like that and just kind of like lived and breathed Spanish. So he can't speak Spanish, but he could he convincingly the deliver right. the lines, right? right? And what do you think of Will Ferrell speaking Spanish? I mean, do you think he still manages? I, I'm, I have a huge weakness for Will Ferrell. Even his weakest movies make me laugh. I just think he's really lovable and endearing and funny. I think that in this movie as well, but I don't think I laughed out loud a single time in this Did movie. Did you really not? So I think for- there were moments that I sort of internally smiled at some sort of a, a cinematic reference or some sort of a weird framing device, but right. I don't think anything had me on the floor. So the whole – I mean to me the whole the whole test of whether you like this movie is how long you tolerate this sketch, right? Because if we agree that it is funny that Will Ferrell is speaking Spanish in a very good – you know, fairly good, let's say, span, you know, span, accent – then the whole, and that no one notices that he's a gringo. I then no one notices he's a gringo the whole time. Then the whole kind of test of whether you like it is how long are you going to roll with this joke? Are you going to roll with it for like Saturday Night Live sketch length, like five minutes, ten minutes? Or are you going to roll with it for 84 minutes, did you say? The 84 movie? minutes, right, which is a very compact <laughs> running time for a movie, but this movie still feels plenty long. Yeah, so I rolled with it for most of the 84 minutes, and I think for probably the last, eh, I'd say 20, I got a little bit bored. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was funny. You know, it, it kept – for whatever reason, every time he starts talking in the screening I was in, everyone would start laughing. It was just funny. It was oh, just funny was to watch Will Maybe I was just in a very deadpan group of critics in my screening because nobody was laughing. And so I wasn't really laughing either. I think maybe the first time or the only time I laughed was during the credit sequence. The credit sequence is pretty fabulous, yeah, by the way. It's this fabulous. crazy kind of mixture of like Saul Bass graphics yeah. with – 
kind of like Tarantino grindhouse. Yeah. Right? Like big splatters of blood suddenly appearing like in, in against these kind of cartoony backgrounds. And the songs are really great. They're solidly great. They're, as you say, there's there's a couple songs throughout the movie, almost like musical style songs. Right. Not quite people bursting into songs spontaneously. There's some kind of performance context, like the guys sitting around a fire getting out their instruments and playing, yeah. including Will Ferrell having his trumpet. That I love the detail that <laughs> he gets out his trumpet to play his trumpet solo around the fire. That's and he, he cleans out the spit valve. I thought that was a really, really funny detail. But the songs are all by the guy who wrote the movie, Andrew Steele, who I believe is his first full-length screenplay. He's a Saturday Night Live writer. Right. And I think also a Saturday Night Live actor. He's credited as being. I don't think he's one of the main Not Ready for Primetime dudes, but I, I, he must be a bit player on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and this movie definitely feels like a sketch. I mean, there's one sense in, we said that they're parodying telenovelas, right? Which is something that, like, you you see parodies of that a lot. And I always wonder, when you see a movie like this, whether telenovelas are actually like this, or whether this is this kind of, this is like our idea of what we think they're like. And also, it obviously parodies like Mexican filmmaking, quote-unquote. But are there... To, Films like this really exist because I think in some way what 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 the writers and the actors movie are doing is trying to kind of parody something that exists mostly in our imagination. You know, is are there big, broad, sweeping, violent love stories in Mexico? Sure, right. But also, I think that's just kind of like it's their idea of what might exist in Mexican media. You well, know what but I, mean? I, I would be very interested to know. I would love to see this movie with somebody who knows Mexican cinema really well and preferably is Mexican to see whether they were offended by the stereotypes. I don't think it's going to be perceived as offensive. It might be a little puzzling. No, no, I'm not saying it's I wouldn't say it's offensive at all. I'm just saying that like the idea there's a weird there's a weird thing where you're saying, "Oh, yeah, they're parroting that," but I'm not sure whether they're parroting the actual thing or they're parroting what, you know, we think. So those of us who have flipped by Univision for 5 minutes when we're going right? across the dial actually think that a telenovela right? is like, you know what I mean? So there's that. The other the other thing is that struck me about this movie is the central joke is that a gringo speaks Spanish and he speaks it really, really well, right? Or at least, you know, well enough to get by. And what's really funny is that that conceit is just hysterical. You know, whether it's like Newt Gingrich trying to speak Spanish during the presidential campaign, uh, Conan O'Brien does a telenovela ripoff on Conan or used to called Noches de Amor, where he comes out in a, with a mustache and speaks very good, very forceful Spanish, right? So there's this like funny like trope of gringo guy who speaks Spanish. And it's like throughout media. And I don't know why it's funny, but it's like a really durable kind of thing. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were mentioning that, that you were thinking about writing on the idea of the, the gringo speaking Spanish and why is that funny about Peggy Hill on King of the Hill. Sure, right. Whose Spanish was just so awesome. She was so proud of her heavily accented substitute teacher, American Spanish, and her kind of identification with El Pueblo. <laughs> right. And on the one hand, it's like kind of like an old movie joke because I think of like airplane, like remember Barbara Billingsley Stewart as I speak jive, right? You know, it's like a person speaks an unexpected language and that's like really funny. But on the other hand, you know, it's sort of like, I think a lot of us, like, we think we should speak Spanish. <laughs> we think we should speak Spanish better. And so there's this kind of like, when you see somebody actually speaking Spanish, you're like, oh, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, I want to speak Spanish like Will Ferrell does in, in the movie or something like that. You know, there's a little bit of a kind of cool kind of cultural kind of element to it, I think. For you sure. mean like a little bit of Spanish envy? Like, yeah. I wish that I spoke I wish, that cool I language. really wish I spoke Spanish like Armando Alvarez. <laughs> My Spanish is muy mal, so I wish I was uh, I wish I was that good. One thing that this movie didn't put me in mind of, great, gratefully, was uh, Nacho Libre, that um, <laughs> that that movie about the luchadores in Mexico, right, right with Jack Black as a, as a wrestler, which I remember at the time just thinking in some way that I couldn't put my finger on, just the very existence of that movie was kind of xenophobic and racist and offensive to me. Because the whole notion of that movie was just sort of like being Mexican is in and of itself hilarious. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And there was – 
I guess the only time on this movie that I got a little bit off was the very end when everybody's kind of being blown away. Now, this movie exists, obviously, clearly in a parody universe, right? So it's it's funny. You know, you can roll with a joke. But, you know, when we're talking about, like, the Mexican drug war right now and the number of people that are really being killed and you have this scene at the end that's just pure bloody violence of people just being blown away by guns, there was, like, a little twinge in me that was just like, ugh. It's not funny, you know, and and this is treating it purely for laughs. And I don't really usually get turned off by things like that. I'm pretty – I'm not easily offended. But I just found that just a little bit just like, ugh. Yeah, ugh. given that Mexico is right now a lawless state and just a completely, completely frightening. Yeah, and that didn't quite work for me for laughs for some reason. Well, I want to get to some of the things that did make you laugh and maybe didn't make me laugh so much. But first, we should take a break for a word from our sponsor. So, Brian, it's not just a nostalgic spoiler because I have you back in the studio. It's a nostalgic spoiler because we have one of our best sponsors back, Audible.com. Audible is a leading provider of digital spoken audio information. That is to say, audio books, magazines, all kinds of spoken word entertainment. They offer more than 100,000 titles, which you can play on nearly any device. And right now, Audible has a special offer for spoiler listeners. You can get a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook by signing up at the following URL, audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. If you go there and sign up, you can choose any free book from their vast library, including everything from classics to current bestsellers. And what we like to do in these Audible spots is recommend a book on Audible, hopefully one that's tangentially related in some way to the matter at hand. And so I was searching the Audible site under titles like drug war, cartel, something having to do with maybe the more serious side of this ridiculous world that's being spoofed in Casa de mi Padre. And as it turns out, the uh, the author Mark Bowden, who wrote the excellent book Black Hawk Down, about the downing of an American helicopter in Somalia, has written a book about Pablo Escobar, the Colombian drug lord, and about the hunt for him after he escaped from prison in Colombia. So I haven't read this book, but I know Mark Bowden's great, so I'm going to recommend it sight unseen or unheard, sound unheard. It's called Killing Pablo, the Hunt for the World's Greatest Outlaw. It's by Mark Bowden, and it's narrated also by Mark Bowden. I love when an author reads his own book on Audible. So you can find it right there at audiblepodcast.com. And if you do sign up, your membership will also include a free subscription to either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal Daily Audio Digest so you can get the newspaper read to you. Give it a try. Use our URL so that we will get the credit and not another Slate podcast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. So I still don't feel like we've quite gotten at the tone of this movie. It really doesn't matter so much in a way what happens in the telenovela plot, which is why a spoiler special in a way doesn't make so much sense. <laughs> but what does need to be spoiled, I think, the things that I wouldn't want someone to know going in because you'd be taking their, their laughs away is some of the weird formal things, the things that happen in, in the framing. Like what are some of these kind of meta cinematic and meta visual jokes right. that well, you laugh? There's a whole riff that it's like a cheaply made film. So often we get like mannequins standing in, right, for sex scenes, I think, in one case, right? Or we get – there are several animals in the movie, and sometimes we just see, like, the taxidermied version of it, you know, in kind of mid-flight, right? Like, it's a really, right. really cheap special effect. Or there's a moment early on, and it took me a minute to realize, like, is this really the whole joke? And then I, it was what was kind of funny, and I kind of respected was that it was the whole joke, which was the idea that Diego Luna, for some reason, had been filmed in a different time and place than the other people in <laughs> the scene right. with him, remember? So yes. the dad, played by Pedro Amendariz, the Mexican actor, who actually just died. I just read this. This was his very last movie, this venerable Mexican actor who'd played Pancho Villa and all these characters. 
He plays the dad of the two mismatched brothers. And there's this moment that he and Will Ferrell are having this big confrontation with Diego Luna in one room. And whenever you see Diego Luna, <laughs> the camera cuts away and he's standing in front of this like blue curtain that clearly belongs to a completely different set. And that he was just kind of cheaply filmed at a different time and place. And that's that's kind of funny. That's really funny. They also have, I think, if I remember right, they play with the guy riding the horse thing where it's like, you know, we see him sort of shot from the waist up on a horse and he's kind of like bobbing, bobbing up and back down. and forth and it's clearly not a horse, which is really, really hysterical. Oh, yeah. There's also some, some moments where you see them galloping from far away on real horses and then, you know, you come up close and they're basically on a hobby horse, like a really bad, <laughs> like plush hobby horse. It's, it's so fake looking. And that's a little bit of the grindhouse thing you were talking about earlier, right? Where it's like kind of a parody of a cheaply made movie. So we're going to show you kind of the strings, basically. Right. And the funniest moments of, of this movie are when it resembles those those trailers that came on before Grindhouse. Which, for example, ma- that Machete trailer, right? Which was so brilliant. <laughs> then it was spun into a full-length movie and I didn't think the movie was anywhere near as good. I think this movie essentially could be 15 or 20 minutes long and be hilarious. It's a really interesting category of movie, right? Movies that should be a trailer. And even even if I liked... Or a short, you know, a two-reeler, like in the old silent days. We should have more 20-minute movies. Yeah, that'd be great, right? You just like 20 minutes of Will Ferrell speaking Spanish before your feature. It'd be way better comedies. If comedies didn't have to be two hours long, think (laughs) how much better they would be. Because most comedies have 20 minutes of good jokes in them. Right, right. And I think a lot of the Will Ferrell thing where it's like, basically the joke is Will Ferrell is playing an NASCAR driver, a guy who a Mexican rancher, right? That's the joke. So you get 20 minutes out of that? And then Because the joke is that Will Ferrell is always Will Ferrell. Right, and then they'll let us move on to the French movie we're about to watch or whatever, whatever the main feature is. Do you share my, my feeling that there's something about Will Ferrell that's just sort of funny beyond the material that he happens to be Absolutely. doing? Absolutely. I mean, he's strange because it's like I think he's weirdly – he's in that kind of zone now where he's funnier than his movies. And so like he wanders out at the Oscars. And remember with the – did you see this with the where he was playing the symbols yeah. at the Oscars? and. You just start laughing. Like, I just start smiling immediately. And he's not even doing anything that's really that funny. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm happy Will Ferrell's here. He's on a talk show. He was on The Daily Show this week. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, Will Ferrell. That's great, you know? Yeah, and there's this, just something about his, his company that you enjoy. Yeah, and at this point, it's like I, you look at the movies, and I don't really want to see the movies all that much, but I just kind of want to spend time in the company of Will Ferrell. But I was kind of excited to see this movie, and I have to say, overall, unlike you, I think I, I would say I'm, I'm fairly disappointed in oh, it. I mean, no. no laugh out loud, roll in the aisles, and a really cool concept <laughs> that doesn't really ever get beyond the concept. I'd like to see you rolling in the aisles in a movie. I think that would be... <laughs> oh, I totally rolled. And actually, Will Ferrell makes me roll. The skating movie with Will Ferrell, which is not even one of oh his strongest gosh, movies. Oh, That had some great stuff oh, in it. Oh, my God. The big, some... Just the big ballad, like when they skate to the big ballad of Soji. Another movie that could have been 20 minutes. We could have just seen the skating routines and it would have been absolutely fabulous. Yeah, right? absolutely. Maybe well, that's kind of what Funny or Die is for, the website that, that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay run together, right? So you can get just those those 15-minute segments. And I think both of these guys, the director, Matt Piedmont, and the writer, Andrew Steele, have, have both worked on Funny or Die as well. Right. It's like what we're, what we're talking about. It's like a medium-length comedy. It's longer than a Saturday Night Live sketch, but it's shorter than a 90-minute movie, right? It's like the kind of mini marathon of comedy, right? It's the 10K run of comedy. So I think we should, uh, I think we should, totally, we should totally push for more of those. Absolutely. And they could be, they could be the as, as two-reelers were, they could be the warm-up for the real movie. <laughs> I, and I think the thing about Will Ferrell, too, is that you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, his box office has been a little bit in the decline over the last couple of years. And part of the reason I think is he's just like, 
you know, he's you know, we've just seen a lot of him, right? He's made a lot of movies. They've been kind of similar thematically, right? Where he plays kind of a dense, very serious, but very dense guy, as he does in this movie, too. Although then he makes these choices like Stranger Than Fiction was a weird, interesting yeah. choice for him. And then Everything Must Go, that movie he made last year where he was an alcoholic who sold all his belongings in a big lawn sale. It was sort of a comedy, but it was a really wistful indie, not at all like a big, broad kind of stepbrothers comedy. Yeah, and it's like you get to this point, I think, as a comic actor, right, where like... Eddie Murphy basically just kept making the same movie again and again. As, apparently as recently as last week, I believe he was actually still making that one movie. And Robin Williams, you know, kind of branched out a little bit, but he'd kind of already gone into the death spiral by the time he branched out, you know, with Goodwill Hunting and stuff. So it was, it was a little late for him. But I do feel like Will Ferrell kind of maybe senses that he just needs to do different stuff. So he's just throwing wild kinds of things out there, right? And one, and one of those thing, things is speaking Spanish, right. which is like, hey, great, let's try this. You know? And one thing I'll say for this movie, even when I was really kind of drumming the arms of my theater seat waiting for it to be over, is that I respected its weirdness and its playfulness. And yeah. the fact that it wasn't what you would expect Will Ferrell or any big comedy actor to do. It, it seems a little bit like a box office suicide kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, but I, I I did kind of respect that, you know, whatever, whatever group of drunk guys got together and decided, let's make a Will Ferrell in Spanish movie which I think probably included Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal. I mean, I think they were more than actors. They feel like maybe they were part of the creative force behind this. Totally. And the two of them are kind of, you know, they make buddy comedies in Mexico, essentially, is one of the one of the branches of their career. Absolutely. So it sort of seemed like, you know, a bunch of guys getting together and spinning a funny sketch idea out a little bit too long. And I do respect that more than a bunch of theater suits saying, let's put Will Ferrell in another giant money-making machine. Sure. And it's like, yeah, it's like if whether you like it or not, you're really happy this movie was made. You're really happy you live in a universe where this kind of movie could be made. Yeah, I agree. I, I respect its existence, even though I'm not necessarily <laughs> going to recommend people go see it. What, what more can we say of a comedy than I respect its existence? <laughs> I respect your existence. It's so metaphysical. That's like five thumbs up. I respect your existence. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming in. Please come see another movie with me. Let's do it. Soon. Gracias. Right. Adios, Dana. <laughs> De nada. Our producer is Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcasts is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.